Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 94th episode of the Truth Island podcast. The Greek word arete translates roughly into meaning sharp mountain ridge. However, it was known to the ancient Greeks as meaning excellence of any kind. The Greeks believed that it was every person's duty to live up to their given potential in order to live a life that was satisfying or filled with meaning. As time went on, arete came to encompass all forms of knowledge, with Aristotle commenting that contemplation is actually one of humans' greatest abilities and could, and could lead to great deals of happiness. In one such Greek story, it is said that at one point Hercules comes to a crossroad where he is tempted by two goddesses, Arete and the other being Homonia. Arete, appearing in the form of a young handmaiden, offers Hercules a life of struggle, but one filled with glory, whereas Homenia offers Hercules a life of senseless pleasure. Thankfully, Hercules was no slouch and decides to go down the path of Arete. In later iterations of this story, sometimes Arete is depicted as being squalid and unattractive to highlight that the road of excellence is at first not always the most attractive road to be traveling down. Sadly, as we've gone further into the modern era, pursuing excellence has become less and less fashionable. In the modern day United States, many have chosen to follow the footsteps of Harmonia and have signed up for lives of cheap pleasures and thrills. In many respects, schools and some of our most cherished institutions promote mediocrity as being the preferred norm. One danger of excellence also presents itself in the form of perfection, as it is said that the need to achieve perfection can also be the mother of all inaction. Joining me to help find the right balance between excellence and perfection, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, I'm just letting you know this right now, if this podcast doesn't come out excellent, I'm deleting it immediately and we're doing it again. Is that all right? Okay. If it's <laughs> all over again, I won't, I won't accept anything less from you than excellence. I'll be changing my number, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a big difference between excellence and perfection. Especially in our modern, you know, on our, in our, in our modern day, um, we don't really use the word excellence as much as the word perfection. And I hear people often say, "I'm a perfectionist. Um, I want it to be perfect, be perfect, so forth." Perfection, when it comes to, and I, I'm speaking in in a manner of, you know, when it comes to doing something, when it comes to achieving something, perfection is often uh, says when we say we want something to be perfect, we're really speaking about us. When a person says, and this is this is my experience, is that when a person, when people say, I want it to be perfect, or I'm a perfectionist, what they're really trying to tell you is something about themselves. So the attention is on them. It's not about the work. It's about them, who they are. And they want you to know that. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is most often the case. Excellence, on the other hand, has very little to do with you. It has more to do with the work. Mm. So... So perfection pulls the attention to the artist. Excellence pulls the attention to the artifact. 
Oh, I love that. That's a that's a great distinction because I actually hate perfectionists. Um, I've worked with a lot of people who you ever worked with these people, Kenny, especially like in an office environment or, or some kind of confined setting. They want everything to be just so or just perfect. They're like, oh, my God, if, if that lamp is in the wrong, you know, like yeah. those people are extremely annoying and yeah. they tend to be what I call like micro detail people. I ever bumped into a micro detail person like they 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 get so caught up in the micro details of things like having color-coded binders and all this other nonsense that they actually lose track of actually achieving anything on a grander scale because they can't they can't move past the little detail and actually start achieving things on a much wider and grander scale because if every little thing isn't absolutely perfect they don't want to move forward at all they're just completely stuck and I, I think that level of perfection, and also it, it, they, they take pride of it. Micro detail people are like, well, I just have a high standard for what it is that I do. And like, they are pretty snooty and they are, they are pretty um, arrogant and so forth because they, they think that their need for upset, OCD, obsessive level perfection is something to be admired. Whereas I'm like, no, you're not going anywhere, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, so I, I do believe that, I think that it's possible for a person like that to get an incredible of an incredible incredible amount of work done. It's possible, but what's it? What happens? The 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 real danger, or should I say, the the biggest danger is that it, they become unbearable to work with. Mm -hmm. They become impossible to work with. They become you'd you'd rather you'd rather go swimming with a shark than you know spend an hour or two in an office with someone like that especially if they're your boss you know let me run this one by you and this is actually a story that i heard that some authors right will actually when they're writing something they'll actually write the same line five different times until it's perfect like i've heard the story like people have written books and they've written that same line five different times come back read read that page obsessively and you and i have both written stuff i'm not like that now does that mean that i'm just throwing eh, good enough no and no like i proofread my stuff i make sure that it makes sense i make sure that it has coherence i make sure that it has logic i make sure that it's interesting like i read it for that but i feel like those type of writers that like write something five to ten first off you have to have a tremendous amount of free time in order to be able to write like the same damn line five or six seven times until it's perfect but i also think that like is anyone who's reading that book really going to be like, oh, yeah, I can really tell that this person wrote the same line five different times. Like, like no one's I, I don't know if, if anyone is ever going to really appreciate that that level of beauty. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe my eyes are too weak to see that kind of beauty. But I, I don't know. I just feel like does it is it does it grammatically make sense? Check. Syntax is good. Awesome. You know, let's let's move on. Yeah, I think I think it's possible in that, you know, so for example, you know, it would have to be this, I, I see it the same way as an artist drawing the line, you know, he's trying to connect um, the thigh to the knee through with a line and he can't just make a straight line. So he makes a line the first time, it doesn't look right. He erases it. He looks at the picture, you know, he looks at his reference again, he makes the other line, still not good. Something keeps going on. Something's just wrong. He, 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 and sometimes they know exactly what's wrong. Other artists may not really know what's wrong, but their eyes see what sees what's wrong. Mm. And so he does it repeatedly until he gets that perfect, and at least according to him and his own standards, perfect line. 
So I think there are, I mean, I, I, I do believe uh, I was having a conversation with a friend not so long ago, and you don't have to quote me on this, but um, he had mentioned how someone had mentioned, and I believe, I believe he was referring to C.S. Lewis, but I, uh, I'm not sure. But he had mentioned that, so, that someone had mentioned, made a comment on Kipling's writing, saying that Kipling, especially, I believe, especially his poetry, was too good, too perfect. It was, it, 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 it's <laughs> almost like this man sit, sat down and found, struggled and fought and wrestled and thought to, to, to find mm -hmm. the right words to use for each line. Neil Gaiman talks about the same thing, says when he's writing for adults, he doesn't really care much about the words. He can, you know, he can use superfluous words over just, you know, yam yammering on. But when it comes to writing for children, every word, he becomes focused and every word becomes incredibly important. Each word, each, each word is carefully chosen. So I, I believe that there are artists like that. There are writers like that. I don't believe that, that every writer has to be that way. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that there are those whose minds work in such a way that language becomes an avenue for beauty. This is now you're really this is very interesting. And now that I'm thinking about this a little deeper, maybe perfection looks different to each artist. I, I don't know how Orwell wrote. Maybe he was the kind of guy who's like, my excellence is writing really captivating stories. And in writing, writing those captivating stories, I don't really care if every single word is built to perfection. The idea is just to have a very interesting story. Like, let me just write something that's very, 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 very interesting. Like, I think that like a lot of like, I think of... Um, uh, like a uh, Kurt Vonnegut or Ray Bradbury, and I read some of their short stories, and some of the 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 like I can see some of the the, the literary efforts that they put in are not at the highest level. Like I can see that they're yeah. not they're not writing like beautiful Shakespearean crafted sentences, but the short stories are really interesting and make me scratch my head and be like, yeah, that was an interesting twist, or yeah, I wonder what would happen if if society functioned that way. And I kind of have that sort of mindset because my mindset is is like was the story interesting and thought provoking that to me yeah. is 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 excellence is if the story itself was what was interesting fascinating and invited critical thought if it does those things it meets my benchmark of being excellent but for another artist maybe having every single line just reading as crisp perfection is their version of excellence yeah, I, I would say, I, I mean, I have friends like this. I mean, and this is <laughs> where we get into all kinds of trouble because to, to me, I, I, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the exact same boat as you are. Um, I read for the story. Yes. Not, not, for, the, not for the language. I care, I care very little about the language. Now, I begin to care about the language if it becomes distracting in the sense of it's the story is horrendously written right yeah of course but for the most part the story is far more important to me you know the the bigger picture i want to see because for me fiction writing is um the stories those stories affect me deeply you know but the language does not however it's communicated to me really doesn't like i don't care if you said she went to the store 
or you know to the store she went i i don't, I don't <laughs> care i really don't care the idea is what i care about you know yeah um, but i do i do have friends who and i i hope they're sincere i hope they're sincere because if they are sincere it means that i have found another human being that operates entirely different his 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 mode of operation is entirely different from mine and that's fascinating and so this is a person who sits down and he cares about those little minute details of you know how the sentence was structured like, yes. You know, I think there's this idea with like, um, if you write you are or your apostrophe are like people, oh, man, you know, like, you know, you should write the full sentence out, you know, and it's like, that to me, I kind of see this as just like, oh, well, you know, us intelligent folk write sentences this way and you common folk, you know, use contractions or whatever and, and write your sentences in a more primitive way. And I'm like, no, it's, it's like we have different goals in mind. My goal is yeah. for that fascinating story. Uh, you know, last thing I want to talk about when it comes to writing, I was actually in a meetup uh, a, a week ago or so. And we even talked that even the way you read a book varies from person to person. I explained, I'm the kind of guy, I pick up the book and I freaking read the thing. I, I read it. Oh, I didn't get that word. Okay, let's see how important that is. All right, whatever. And then I put the book down. What sticks, sticks. And what doesn't stick, does not stick. Whereas we have, like, I was talking to this one guy and he was like, oh, I can only read like 10 pages a day because every single line, he's got the, the highlighter, the, the post-it notes. He's like, like, like putting it all over the book and going all crazy. And it's like, it takes him three months to read a single book because he puts that much effort into reading it. And I actually did take a step back and I said, man, am I reading wrong? Like, am I, am I doing something wrong? Is that, is that true excellence right there? Having the book with all the highlighting and, and all the post-it notes or is what I'm doing excellence in the way that I'm reading the book, kind of just like cursory reading, glancing, you know, extracting meaning, not extracting meaning. So that's, you know, these, these are rough questions to ask. I think that people are incredibly different. And yeah, I think yeah. that people, you know, I mean, one of the things is, but you find that there's there is a there is a system a mode of a mode of things that is widely accepted, and any if any variation to that is looked is frowned upon and looked up, you know looked upon as uh, as troublesome. So you know you have people who, how, I mean you have books on how to read a book, which I think <laughs> is, I'm telling you man it's ridiculous. <laughs> It's oh like it's God. it's you know you have a book this and title is how to, how to read a book or how to read a book like a professor or how to read a book like a uh, you know like a like a uh, like a critic. Mm -hmm. It's like bruv, if you're not doing that naturally, that's not what you ought to be doing, because you're not a critic, you're not a professor, and you're certainly not whoever wrote this book about how to read a book. Read the see read the book the way you enjoy reading the book. If you're a guy who sits down for six, you know, for six months and put with post-it notes and, you know, like <laughs> strings, like, you know, conspiracy <laughs> theorists stringing things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've things, seen these type people. Then good to you, man. Do you enjoy it? You know, like when you read the book, do you, do, when the book is closed, do you say, wow, what an adventure. Yeah. What a great time. One of my friends says, what a hoot. <laughs> what, what a great time, you know? Or are you a guy who takes, you know, a week and you, you just whatever sticks, sticks, whatever doesn't stick, just like whatever. Like, I don't really don't care. You know, like what, the point is, at the end of the day, 
are you are you happy you read that book that the joy the joy is far more important than the than the technicalities and then there's um, i have a friend who reads a book he can read like he can read a 300 page book in less than an hour you know what i mean this is that's the kind of mind he has but still the same advice is to him do you bloody enjoy it man you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think that uh um, I, I think, think that people... I, I think you might be onto a good trail here, where I think that joy and excellence go hand in hand. That's that's something. I think that's a good spark, and that's a good connection that you've just made. Because I feel like some of these what we call sticklers for perfection, they don't really enjoy it. I don't think anyone enjoys being OCD and and putting a thousand post-it notes in their book or whatever. I I, I don't see that as enjoyable. I see that as frustrating. And what ends up happening is more often than not, they actually just give up. They, they actually don't get through reading that book. They don't get through doing what it was because their standard is so incredibly high. And I see this in the world of fitness as well. Like I say, oh man, I, I, I didn't do, you know, 13.2 reps or, or whatever it is. And then like, you know, my thing was slightly off. And then they have like the, the, the slightest dent in their progress or the lightest, the slightest dent in whatever it is that they're doing. They give up because they're like, oh man, you know, my thing. Whereas I'm like, I, 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 I say that that's ridiculous. And, and again, the, the biggest example of, of who I think really made this work and, and, you know, is Joe Rogan, because if you listen to his early podcasts, they really suck. They're terrible. Like it's just him fooling around and joking and screwing, you know, and it's like, that guy had no perfection in mind. He just pursued something. And then eventually over time, it became excellent because he just kept on doing it. I, I think just constantly doing something. And, and like, I think I became a better reader by reading more books, not creating obsessive post-it notes about the books, but just reading more. I'm like, okay, looks like I, you know, I, when I was 17 or 18, I read books and I understood maybe 30% of what was in the book. Okay. How did I get better? I just kept on reading more. I just kept on doing it and doing it and doing it. I didn't just pull my hair out and say, no, I, I can't move forward until I understand this one book to perfection. No, I'm like, Hey, I'm not ready. I'm not at a time where I can understand this yet. Yeah. Practice. I mean, the constant repetition, um, is vital to, to anything we want to be excellent at, except of course, if we, you know, we're just born with some you know some talents for the thing yeah um, but most people repetition is um is vital to to the attaining of excellence okay now now we've i think we've made a good distinction here between perfection and excellence now mm. there is there is another point in which we're maybe slipping a little too far from the excellence road like okay we we agree perfection is is futile. Don't try, you know, don't, don't be obsessive. However, when are we getting too sloppy? Because I think, I think there is an extreme of over sloppiness or, you know, being too mediocre, you know, and relishing in your mediocrity. And I see this a lot in what's demanded uh, from us when we go to school or when we go to work. Mediocrity is celebrated and it's demanded of us every single day. And, and I think to myself, well, why exactly is that? And it has a lot to do with time, right? Like, can you really be excellent if you if you have a deadline to meet? Yeah, I mean, time is time is an incredible factor. I mean, schools, school the the idea of the modern school is you know just personally personally ridiculous. 
<laughs> because it's 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 just it's it, to me it's like a it's like a it's like a stage show it's not really it's not even a real thing it, it seems so ethereal it seems so translucent so fake because and of course it's still doing good things because i a lot of students are still coming out of it and surviving and are better off than they were before they went at least i hope so but to the idea of what a school could be and an idea and, and the idea of what at least my idea of what a school should be yeah modern 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 schooling is is ridiculous um and you have a book you're given a ridiculous amount of time to you know to read through it and write a paper and present your paper most of these students not only do not, i mean they don't really care about the book first of all yeah um you know they're not going to take the they're, <laughs> you know they're not going to read it in that time yeah no i i think that um first off there's just not enough hours in the day to actually fully master anything that you learn in school and as no. uh, you know and, and being a teacher i know full well i i know full well of like all right you know, I'm going to teach, I'm going to, and I always, when I was teaching history or whatever, I always taught the entire curriculum, but I knew full well, it's like, here is the areas that I'm going to zoom in on. Here are the important areas. Here are the, what we call in education, the big takeaways, right? Like here yeah. are your, here are your big takeaways. Here are the things that I want you walking away from this. And, you know, there's positive and negatives to, to, to this approach. The positive, obviously, is that you do you do get a broad stroke of everything. And okay, maybe you're better off knowing a little bit about Pythagoras, a little bit about how the body works, a little, uh, you know, uh, Roman Empire history. I think all of I think that broad stroke is helpful in some some sense. But then the way it's situated is that as soon as that test is taken, that knowledge is immediately discarded because because you were taught to kind of consume the knowledge very quickly, not really master it or not actually utilize that knowledge to excellence, but kind of just hold on to it. Like it's like um, you know, it's like renting. You're literally renting that knowledge, applying it in the form of an assignment or a test, and then immediately discarding it. And I think that's that's kind of a dangerous. A notion that we have in education is that you don't learn things and actually cultivate higher thoughts on them, or you don't cultivate excellence with those thoughts. You kind of just use these pieces of knowledge in a transaction. Like this knowledge is a key that gets me to a good score. And then that good score gets me uh, a good job, but then gets me all sorts of cool toys to play with when I become an adult. I, I totally agree. We don't care about excellence, especially in our school system. We just care about getting, you know, getting the students out the door with a diploma and um, making sure that as teachers, we've checked off all the lists and the students at least can do simple math. <laughs> um, and, um, and they can't even do that. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, it becomes, it becomes this, this house of, like you said earlier, just mediocrity. I don't even think that excellence, I think excellence at some points will start being frowned upon mm. because uh, we're at a place where we don't like, we're not going to want students to, we're not going to want students to stand out. We're not going to want students to to pursue something to the points of, of greatness because greatness always, how you say, Greatness is never, or should I say, is often very reluctant to follow the usual path, you know? 
Yes. And so you have more troublemakers than, than you know what to do with. I love that. Greatness does not follow the prescribed path. I think I mentioned this on another podcast with someone. One of the words that I hate in the, it's a New York word, and I, I especially hate it, is the word multitask. It's the word. Oh. It's, it's the word I hate more than anything else. And then this is one of the job. Well, this is one of the questions that they'll ask you on a job. Can you multitask? And I'm like, do you mean do a bunch of things pretty poorly at once? Yeah, I can do that. I, I can do a half-assed job at many things and not really succeed in doing any of those things. But if you want me to pretend to do those things, I can. I can do that. Is that what you're looking for? Sure, sign me up. And. <laughs> I mean, let's just think about how ridiculous it is. it's like. Think about how ridiculous the word multitask is. It's it's an absurd notion. It's like you want me to come and do a bunch of stuff at a half-ass rate and call it a day. And I'm like, or do you want me to come in there and you know pick one thing and I'm really, really gonna do it awesome. I'm gonna take your company, I'm gonna take your business to the next level. And that they make the little calculation in their head of like, well, that's going to take too long. We, we, we want to make money now. We want to make money. We want to produce right now. And for you to go tinker and think and do this and that, we don't have time for you. And you're right. In order to do something excellent in this world or to do it, actually, to actually do a bang up job, you actually have to separate yourself from society. You know, like, again, it's the, um, I think we talked offline before we even started recording of the guy who spends three months making the perfect handmade table, as opposed to the, you know, the factory in Ikea that's pumping these things out, you know, every day. With lesser, with, 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 with not, not at all the same quantity, you know, <laughs> um, not at all the same quality, excuse me. And, uh, but we like that because it's 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 uh, it's financially beneficial. Excellence is not good for business. I like that. Um, mm, excellence is and, not good for. I might steal I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, look at look at look at the difference between Microsoft and Apple. Anybody who owns a Microsoft computer will tell you that okay, it's fine. Like it's beautiful, and it seems to be it it gets the job done. Mm-hmm. But whenever you talk to a guy who owns an Apple computer, they say, listen, man, this thing is built to last. This is a, this is not dying anytime soon. Like you can, you know, the whole thing about cockroaches being able to survive a, a, a nuclear nuclear war. Yeah. Apple, Apple might be able to do that. All right. Apple computers might be able to do that because these things are sturdy. You know, they're well done. But. Jobs is gone now. Steve Jobs is gone, right? And so the next guy, the next guy in line, hopefully he's you know he's keeping up with the with the standard. But eventually, some hotshot CEO is going to take his place. It is just the case. Some hotshot CEO is going to take his place, and they're going to look at the numbers. They're going to say, "Okay, listen, how do we how do we make more money?" Right? Mm-hmm. So, well, sir, you know, we don't really have to use these, uh, the, 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 the same materials we've been using. They're bloody expensive. So what we can do is we can change to a certain kind of plastic that looks quite like, you know, it looks mm-hmm. similar to the old product, but it's not. In fact, it's, uh, it's about um, um, a fifth of the price, right? Like, wonderful. Well, what else can we do? Well, we can start producing it in, you know, in, 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 in Bangkok or China or whatever, you know. Let, let's not have it made here because American hands are expensive hands. So let's take it to, you know, cheaper hands. And then on and on and on. And next thing you know, Apple is exactly where Microsoft is. That's funny. I'm actually a PC fan. So I use, I use Microsoft and, and 
it's probably because I just grew up with it. So that's like my default thing. And with the, with the Apple computers, I never got used to the, I like right clicking. I'm a huge fan of the right clicking. Oh, and I, and yeah. I, I no. never, yeah, go Oh, ahead. don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PC guy. All my computers are PC, <laughs> but I'm suffering because of it. <laughs> my wife and I've been thinking about switching to Apple and we're thinking about doing it pretty soon. But the point is simply that most most companies, most products, most uh, most artifacts, over time, when it gets into the hands of grubby businessmen, you know, yeah. when it becomes about the business, about the about the revenue, quality suffers for the sake of quantity. Yeah, no, I think you're fundamentally right, and I'm absolutely positive that since uh, Jobs passed away that the, the the quality factor is probably decreasing you know I, i'm not don't base your stock portfolio off what i'm saying right now but like i i think that um there is usually a visionary who does things the really hard way and 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 that that visionary is typically stoned they're like what the hell is it that you're doing you're you're going that you're taking us down a very long and arduous path and there's they're initially stoned and chastised and ostracized for that but then when they come back with the perfect product or the perfect uh, incarnation of whatever it is that they're building, then then in hindsight, we're able to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I knew that guy was onto something all along. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You were throwing rocks at him the whole time and, 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 yeah. <laughs> and telling him to hurry it up. So I think that one of the things that we need to do is in the workplace and in school and, and in, in our life, we need to have a more fundamental appreciation that things take a long time and 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 like we have to celebrate that we, we and and i think even the word i talked one of my early podcasts i did with joe is yeah. that in our media kenny we always think of the genius as being the guy who operates who processes information very quickly who's like you know like the math guy on the on the chalkboard like, according to this you know like my you know you know square root of that and like his you know his hand is moving a mile a minute on the chalkboard and we're like oh that's a genius right there look how quickly they're they're working and we don't actually have an appreciation for the mind that's very slow but actually builds things builds ideas that are meant to last because the quick mind may come up with very quick ideas, but are those quick ideas meant to last? And that's, that's what we're not looking at anymore. Kenny, our ideas meant to last. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like that. It was the, the image of um, the, the genius. A friend of mine would say he's got one leg, one leg and in, one leg on insanity and the other on a banana peel. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i think uh it, it's it, it is a, it is a big question to ask you know i mean do we do we really want things that are lasting do we want things that that endure i mean and i would hope that the answer would be yes i mean and it's not just even about having the mind that asks that question but the mind that loves the right answer in that you know um, I told you, I've sp spoken to a friend of mine, Evan, about this, and we, we've talked about even how, you know, it's good to admire excellence, even when it's not your own, if it, even when the excellence isn't yours. Of whole, you yes, know? absolutely. And so are we a people who appreciate excellence to the point where um, the social norm becomes, if this isn't excellence, the public isn't really going to want it, you know, but um, c'est la vie. 
you know, I, I think even of one of the things that was the biggest darn disaster, and this is where George Lucas is really laughing, is if you look at the uh, the Star Wars films that just came out by Disney, all of them were incredibly rushed. They were rushed. They were, okay, we need to get this out by December. And they were rushed and rushed. And okay, you, you got them out. You made your boatload of money. But at the end of the day, you don't have a, a trilogy that's meant to last because you rushed it. Because you rushed it, you now destroyed something. In your, in your desire to make money and produce something quickly, you fundamentally destroyed the thing that you were trying to promote. Whereas I, I give credit to George Lucas, I think he actually took his time making these movies. He actually was like, no, 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 guys, we need to do this scene again. Um, I think of, of, of the director, Stanley Kubrick. He, he would shoot the same scene like over 200 times until, until it met. And, and again, I think Kubrick is kind of also on the OCD. That's going too far, man. Like, I don't think we need 200 times, but do it 10 times, do it 15 times. Make sure that the story is adding up, right? I think there's a happy middle ground. I think there's a middle ground between Stanley Kubrick and the latest Star Wars films. I, I think you don't have, you know, the, the answer might be George Lucas in the middle somewhere. Just like, okay, you know, this is high quality, but it, you know, yeah, every, every frame isn't entirely perfect. Yeah, I think if you care about the work, um, if you care about the work, I think that you're already on your, that's the, I think that's the first step, even if it's not the work, but your name attached to the work. I think that's the first step towards excellence. The Star Wars films, which I've seen, I think I've, I've seen the one or one of the new ones, or maybe two of the new ones. And I was, I remember sitting in the theater thinking to myself, what is going on here? What is this? And I, so there's a there's a feeling that you I don't know if you've ever experienced this. You're watching a film and you have this moment of you, this cringe moment where something happens. Yeah, of course. And you feel it's just like a cringe. You're responding to this awful. Maybe someone thought it'd be cool. You know, some some guy sitting down there in his cubicle with his glasses, thinking, "Oh boy, this this ought to be cool." And he <laughs> he puts it in the film. And it turns out that it wasn't at all cool. And it's, I think that the whole film is like that. It's like it's just one, one fail after another, one strike after another. You know, it's, they're trying to hit it out of the park, but they're just doing something. They're just, doing, they're just swinging either too, way too high or way too low. They're just not hitting it out of the park. They're not, hit, they're not even connecting with the ball. Yeah. Um, I, um, I think that, and I, I think that also when I saw those films, the, the latest installment, I could see it's like you guys were aiming for mediocrity because there's not even one memorable line. Like I, I think that the classic Star Wars have memorable lines built into them. You know, you know, fear but leads to buttloads, right? Like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, you know, and all of the you know, all of these wonderful, really I'm not saying every line is a gem, but they do have some poetic lines in there that really get the noggin thinking. But these yeah. new, there's not even a single good line in, in the entire in, in the entire new trilogy. And that's an example of like not being the obsessive guy making sure that every line is perfect, 
But man, you didn't even bother putting in a single gem, not even a single line that's substantial and, and worthwhile. And that's that's a, that's a train wreck. That's a disaster right there where you, you were literally like everything was just OK and you still went forward with it. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing about, you know, so the guy who's writing every single line over and over, even if he's doing it a thousand times. You know, I think that a guy like that could still be motivated by excellence because I think that the difference between a guy like that. So I think the, 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 let's say they're two two different writers. Um, one of them is both of them are writing the same line hundreds of times, right? Yeah. One has one has a realistic vision, and they know when they're they know they they know when they meet it. So they're looking at something. They have they have some reference, either a either a, um, a, a reference in the real world or a reference in their mind, and they're trying to get their their muscle memory, uh, you know, to to match that reference. The other person has no reference whatsoever. They have this impossibility, walking backwards in the sky while fighting a dragon. Where it's you know, not, it's unbelievably you know um, foundationless. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's writing and writing and writing and writing, trying to atta- trying to meet this mark, this you know Platonic ideal that does not exist. And that's why I would I would imagine he never gets anything. He never actually gets the thing done because his his references don't exist. Yes. While this yes. other person's reference absolutely do exist, and it may take him a hundred, a thousand, a million times but he will eventually get it and he will know when he's gotten it right. I like that. So perfection has no visible incarnation, right? It it doesn't exist in this world. It's not, there's nothing that you can point to in this world that actually is perfect, perfect other than God almighty, who we can't really see and we can't really reference anything off of, but for our purposes, but I think that, the people who, let's say, making this super concrete right now, the people who wrote the new Star Wars could have looked back at the old Star Wars and said, hey, until we reach the critical threshold of being at least as good as those films, we can't really release this. And you know what? We're going to have to tell Disney that it's going to take us another another year, another two years. We're going to have to push back the release dates. And un- until we can at least get to the standard the standard bearer of other films of that stature right that's what you need to do you need to be at least as good as the other as your high basically if you're a fighter you want to be as good as the best fighter and then maybe even a little above that right like that's the that's no one's saying perfect we're just saying at the same level as other great uh other great works basically oh an old saying of mine is that you you know you become that which you admire. Yes. And if you admire excellence, if you admire excellence, you will walk in a path of excellence and eventually become that which produces or even is excellence. I mean, we don't even know how to be excellent human beings. And we don't even know what it looks like to be an excellent human being. Nowadays, when we look back on history, we're always, you know, tearing down the heroes. You know, you look back at, you know, I just recently heard one, uh, listen to a, a, a book and everybody was being torn down. Jefferson was being torn down. Abraham Lincoln was being torn down. Um, I've heard Churchill being torn down. It's mm-hmm. like we, we are a people who, not least we're a people now who 
don't know what we we don't know what it means to have excellent human beings because we don't not only do we not believe we don't believe in excellent human beings but those who we even suspect may have been excellent human beings in one form or the other we get our hands dirty by chucking mud at your reputation so we don't we we've we've forgotten how to admire things and we've forgotten how to admire good things and um we end up becoming monster-like. Absolutely. And I, I think that looking at the founding fathers or looking at other historical figures is a great source of excellence. And here's the thing, are these figures, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, you know, any of these historical figures, are they perfect? Hell no, no one is, mm. nobody is perfect, right? There's but no it's like, but, but like, rather than chuck mud in their direction, be like, what, what are some pieces of excellence about them that I can extrapolate and bring into my own life. Like Benjamin Franklin had an excellent routine. Like he woke up early and did this, and then he had his whole day methodically plotted out. I'm like, well, there's some excellence for you. Was Benjamin Franklin perfect? Hell no. But he has some excellence that you can borrow. There's some excellence in what he did that is worth extracting and put it and 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 replicating and kind of in you know um, embracing into your own life, and I think that yeah. anyone anyone in our in our history that isn't perfect, we immediately discard. We immediately discard all. And I'm like, well, you've discarded just about everyone at this point. Every yeah, everyone. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's perfect, and nobody can be perfect because the the funny thing about it is we all we say words and often don't stop to ask ourselves what we mean by them so when a person says you know i i really like this pizza it's perfect and your friend says you know i thought it was rather salty <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> like oh so it's not perfect is what you're saying because two there there're two when when where there is a human being there is an opinion where there is an opinion there is perfection because yeah. people often think them they we we often think that, uh, sorry, there's a different definition of perfection. We often think that our definition of perfection is what is perfect, but that's not the case because when everybody says perfect, they mean totally different things. There's seven, about 7 billion people in this world, so there are 7 billion potential different ideas of what it means to be perfect. And so it's not possible to look at history and find anybody perfect because nobody was perfect. Yes. And our our culture, our modern day culture doesn't allow for how you say a, a for the existence of that which was, you know, imperfect and yet useful or imperfect and yet noble and so forth. Because, you know, the minute you say do or are associated with anything that's, you know, the the modern day considers wrong antagonistic or whatever it may be your life is over mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that you're a great father your life is over it doesn't matter that you know you may have been a successful businessman your life is over it doesn't matter that you you know give to charity your life is over so we're pretty we've become very very violent i want to you know i think a good analogy is this idea that you mentioned about the salty pizza and and like i can even you know uh, kind of compare the salty, the slightly like the pizza that was made with excellence, but then one person says, "Oh man, this is slightly salty." It's like I, I almost think of this as being like in my podcast in a way because on this show I mispronounce words, I say things that are wrong all the time, but I still strive for excellence. But I realize I'm never going to be perfect. There's never, 
there's never going to be an episode that is absolutely perfect ever. And that, that is a baseline acceptance that I've come to when doing any kind of piece of art or any kind of work. It's never going to be perfect, yeah. but that doesn't mean I get sloppy with it and say, you know, yeah, yeah, man, you know, I was like chilling on my couch and then I grabbed a beer and then this girl called me. You know, and I don't just talk about nonsense on this show. I, I try and talk about high quality stuff. But even even in that 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 goal of aiming for excellence, yeah. uh, for, for, for excellence, I know it's never going to be perfect. So <clears throat> that's something to keep in mind. Last thing I want to talk about with you, Kenny, is mm. should we strive for excellence in everything that we do or should we just come to terms with the fact that we're only going to be able to achieve excellence in maybe a few specific domains? I think that's a wicked good question. I'll answer it by asking a different question. No, no, I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that it's, the question is aimed in the wrong place. And here's why, why I say that. I, I think that if, and this is the answer, if people can find a way to be excellent, what I mean by that is their soul, their personhood, their core is in fact, at its excellence, it doesn't matter what they do, whether it's cleaning the toilet to making you know food for the queen, you will do it excellently. And if you don't, you will be on the path to doing it excellently. One of the coolest uh, um, short stories I, I read about Taoism was uh, this prince, I think he's uh, watching his butcher cuts and cleave uh, you know uh, a cow and he's amazed at how the how quick and how you know just perfect and how brilliant this um see the word perfect can't escape it <laughs> this 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 butcher is and he asked the butcher you know why are you so good at this and he says listen i've learned the way of i've learned the way of of cutting I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've learned the way of doing this so well that I don't even have to think about it. And the prince was so amazed. He, he expresses it beautifully. Uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, cutting it down. And the prince says, I've seen that it is not simply in being a butcher that a man ought to pursue this excellence or this excellent way. It is in all matters. It is in all matters. So I think that a person who learns how to hold, this is just imagery, to hold perfection in their soul and let perfection guide them, they will, even if it's playing video games, they will, not perfection, sorry, excellence, they will excellently pursue those things. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that's a great story. And may, maybe, maybe like if we look at that, in that, that story with the butcher or something, maybe that butcher, when he first started cutting meat was like, okay, maybe I'm not going to aim for excellency right away. Maybe that's not my goal. My, my first goal is to learn how to cut meat, right? I think, I think, I think you're, I think it depends on the stage of development that you're in when learning something new. So your first stage could be like, let me be, let me try and do it. Now, let me try and do it better. 
Now let me try and do it better. Now let me try and get to an intermediate level of understanding. Now let me try and get to an expert level of understanding. And then by the time you get to mastery, you don't even realize it. Like you've actually reached excellence. Like I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to be excellent from day one. Like, right. They're like, I'm, a, I'm on the road to excellence and they've, they've already committed themselves to excellence on day one. And I'm like, you can't possibly be on the road of excellence on day one because you're doing it for the first or second time. It's just not, not going to happen. But I think being conscious, I think, I think this is what the word we're looking for is being conscious and being an eval, evaluating yourself as you go along of like, am I getting better at this? What could I be doing a little bit better? You know, um, last time the meat came out rather tender. Let me do this instead. Those are the questions that that butcher probably asked himself every single day. He didn't start off excellent, but every single day that he was cutting that meat, he was like, okay, this went, you know, X, Y, and Z went wrong on Tuesday. When I cut the next uh, cow or whatever on Thursday, I'm going to be sure to avoid those things or try something new. That's how you get to excellence by just being critical every, every step, every peg of the way. Oi. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, it's, uh, I would say that that would be an incredible feat. Yeah. I, I like what you said. I think you've answered my question. Cause I, I was like, can I be, can I be excellent at scrubbing my toilet or whatever? And I think maybe the first thing you just need to do is scrub your toilet and then make sure that you're just doing it better each and every time that you do it, you know, like just make sure that every little thing that you're doing, you're getting better at doing. And I think if you're doing that, excellence is just, it's bound to find you at one point or another. Oh, yeah. Was this an excellent conversation? What would you say, I'd Kenny? Like to, I'd like to think so. <laughs> All right. I guess I don't have to delete it. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show today. No worries. Thank you for having me, Aaron. This concludes the 94th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.